Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is August 2nd, 2019. Today is my parents' anniversary. I know they're gone. They're celebrating at home. But they would have been married 60 years today. They got married in 1959. So anyone who was born in 1959 is celebrating a 60-year something. But, wow, that is crazy. They both passed away right before the 50-year mark um, within a few years prior to that. But isn't that crazy? So it's a good day. My mom used to love her anniversary because she would say, you know, everybody has a birthday, but not everyone has an anniversary. And she would really want to enjoy herself. So there you have it. Um, Today, we have a ton of questions. So I want to start with this one that was on the Facebook page. And it said, Nadia, what could possibly come of living a truth that would mark you publicly and permanently as other. What is the good of living as a prophet? Because you say in Origins of Truth that God is merciful. God does not leave a soul behind, whether or not you do the work to bridge the souls of humans back to them. Thanks, Christopher. Then Leah Gill writes, what does that mean, other? My soul is left behind, not even yours. No soul is more important than the other, both from Nadia Khalil. Christopher writes, Leah Gill, this is what other means. For the souls of mission will always know they are different. They will always know that something in them is of relation to other souls in wider scope, in openness and love. And they will feel the same as others, yet they carry a different torch for they are of angel, origins of truth. So this conversation, that was one of the first questions I asked of Christ when Christ said, run, don't walk away from certain people or situations. Now, not every time there's people I beat my head over and over again to try to get through to them and I love them and I care for them and, you know, I want to help them. And so I did not understand why Christ would ask that of me. Run, don't walk away. Because in my brain, prior to seeing Christ, I believed that everybody, and this is the operative word, wanted to be helped and cared for the way I understood helping and caring for them. That was a harsh reality for me. That was one of, I think, my saddest discoveries was that injured love will fight you back. And sometimes there are people who come here to be pure catalysts, literally, just pure catalysts 
does it mean they're bad? No, in the big picture. But what he said to me was that runs don't walk away. You have not left them behind. God does not leave anyone behind. You are human, and you can only take care of souls to a certain level, and that is if they can hear you. However, God will take care of them. It's not your job. So it's not that everyone is my job or not, but it's not my job to force feed help onto people. As a human being, I can't do that. One, I can only be in one place at one time here. And I can only scream as loud as Facebook and social media and now the classes that we've done. And and it's going to launch, by the way, next Friday. I should announce these things, but we're going to start promos this week. So we're getting there. They're, you know, very, very... Um, precise and careful, not careful, um, well, careful with me about showing me anything, and I want to see everything, but um, it's coming, and I can't wait, and today we're doing promos, so I'm very excited, but to get back to this, it's a great question, because God does not leave a soul behind, and the people that I'm asking or I start to understand I can't stay there forever. It's going to zap all of my energy. And let's say I want to take care of, of just let one person own my life. Or can I help as many people as I can while I'm alive? Well, it depends because there's some people who will fight you. They will not change. They do not want to change. They do not care to change. They do not want to hear what you want to say. And they may even want to go as far as physically hurting you. So do you stay? Because God told me that this is my work. No, he told me, run, don't walk away. I will take care of them. And he does. That's why on the other side of that, I know when somebody runs and doesn't stay for me, that God will take care of me as well. He will take care of both of us. There is no soul left behind. I had to run, don't walk away from my first husband. Because every time I got close, closer than arm's length, I was in trouble. I was bad now, and I was getting picked on again, and I was getting put down again. I mean, to a level that you just can't, I would cry. Even as a full-grown adult with full-grown children. but I know God is taking care of him. So how I've learned to deal with that is I pray for people. They may not like me. They may not be able to relate to me. But I ask God to reach them in the way they understand. 
so that the behavior that I just saw from them or experienced with them isn't stemmed by pain and hurt. Because the reality is there's pain and injury. And how we deal with that is what differentiates every single human being on earth. Some get angrier and angrier and angrier and they start creating situations to feed the anger. And others find a way to heal from the anger. And some just don't know what they don't know and they don't know why they have a nervous tick or they're anxious or whatever's going on in them. But that's a great question. That question baffled me to no end in the beginning because I was determined to change this world with love. And I have to tell you guys, it does work because the others would just be an other to me. It isn't like there's a group of people and they're all labeled the others. That's not how that is. But in my personal life or in my public life, there might be others. But now when I see them and I know they're just another for me, they're just somebody I can't reach. And there's somebody else that knows what I know that they may be able to respond to or relate to or reach. It's interesting. To people, to men, that I may have been an other to in any other part of life, who found my work, who found my book, who found a video in the middle of the night, the old video, because I don't have any videos out. They're all really pretty old. And they write me or they order the book. And they'll say to me things like, oh, my gosh, how have you been here? And I just found you. When you read that, it sounds like somebody's just fallen in love with you, the way it talks. But they have fallen in love. They have fallen in love with the truth. I just happen to be the person saying it. I'm a surprise. People will say, you know, oh, my gosh, how did this happen? I'm so glad I found you. This just answered questions I've had forever and ever and ever. I always knew this was true. And then they want to hold it as a secret. If men haven't told me verbally, like I still remember at the gym when the book came out and they all bought it, and then I would go to the gym and I wouldn't be able to work out at the gym, because it was like doing the radio show live. They had so many questions. And it was the first glimpse I got of Christ saying to me, by the time people get this information, they will have been starving for it. One of the reasons we are starving for it is exactly this question that Christopher asked. Who's the other? So 
their souls will get bridged back to them. And the other way Christ explained this to me to get ease my mind and my pain over feeling like, how could somebody not understand my love? Was that there's three stages of people who will learn. And they are those who know. They're preaching to the choir. They want to hear it. They're standing there. They get it. They're like, oh, my gosh, these were the answers I've wanted. And then there's those who don't know, who run across the knowledge through someone who might say, hey, you know what? I know you're interested in these things, and you probably haven't found this yet, but, you know, you should buy or read this book or or get to know this person. And, and, you know, that's happened to me with people telling me, oh, you should see so-and-so, or you should get to know so-and-so, and and I, I, I do. So then, you know, we need each other. So there's those who know and those who don't. The other to me, to my world, is those who don't want to know. They, like, look at me. for. And one of them is I have a sister. I have a sister. They don't even talk about it. I have a best friend that read my book, helped edit Original Love. I helped her release family members. I have done things there, literal miracles that happened in front of her. And then she wanted to, I think, I don't know what it was, like possess or own or, I don't know what it was. It got weird. And she won't even talk to me about this. She won't even say that any of this was part of her life or helped her. And I take that. I accept that because I understand that in the bigger picture, this is one way that she is helping me, helping me see a standoff of power or helping me see a denial of, of just a closeness. I don't get mad. So just knowing that God does not leave a soul behind rests my soul that if they don't understand me today, they may through another avenue, they may through another person because they are just those who don't want to know today. That's how I look at it. I pray that they find the information one way or another. Because my bigger question over other was, well, what about murderers? I mean, imagine I just see Christ. I'm in this feeling of absolute love. I can't imagine how somebody would take the life of another person because it never has to do with the other person. It has to do with clear anger. But now I look at that as injured love. Their injury is so deep, so bad, that the only way they could do it is they can't kill themselves, so they they go to kill someone else. But then they take on that person's, all their negative stuff, and that makes them worse. And that's why their thresholds get different as their crimes continue. Now, I have to walk away from that. But does God? No. That person's going to go back to God. 
They're not going to go back to me. I'm not God. I'm not Christ. I'm of service to human beings while I am here to remind us who we are. I'm not perfect. I do know my intentions are pure. That I know because that's me. I can decide that or not in my heart, but I do know that. But I don't have a grand illusion of who I am. And Christ made sure I knew that by I am like everyone else. Like when he says, you know, what what did you guys say here? For souls of the mission will always know they are different. They will always know that something in them is of relation to other souls in a wider scope and openness and love. When I saw Christ, I started to feel like what I perceived others to be instead of an inferiority complex, which I had that made me feel less than other people, that I just didn't know what was going on. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that I didn't know this language. And by not knowing the language, I just thought everyone did know what was going on, and I didn't. And that actually was true until I figured out what they were saying. So it's it's a great question, and it's one that I can finally answer without feeling this weird defense of, well, I saw Christ, I should know that. There were a lot of things I didn't understand why he said them. A lot of things. But it's been 17 years now. I've gotten and have the pleasure of seeing something in year one work itself out over 10 years instead of five minutes because we want an answer right away for everything. But now having that experience, I can say to you, wow, I rode that one out. That one took 10 years. This one took like 15 years. This one I didn't even answer yet. I'm a breathing, growing, learning person just like you. What I am learning is what we share. I've gotten to live in the reality of I am not perfect. But in my heart I am pure. I do know that because I know that I can't I can't cross certain lines at all in my own mind. Even when it's stuff I clearly want to do. I know I would never do it, and I don't. And it's not even like big stuff, but it's stuff that if I did it before, I wouldn't have understood, and I, my, my injury to my own love would have made me want to participate. But I don't have that injury anymore, and, and I can't do that anymore. One day I should do a show on that because it has to do with relationships. But I was a way overgiver. Because I didn't believe I was worth love without being of some kind of value to that person. And I, I, I always joked with my sisters and say, well, give me another fire hoop. I'll, I'll jump through. 
interesting who we are and how we are. But God does not leave anybody behind. There is no soul more important than another. But we are different. And not all of us can relate to every single person on earth. That's an impossibility. And some people come to be pure catalysts because they have a job to grow the rest of us. And in many ways, I'm very proud of them because they came here, they were going to face adversity from people, but they're blind to it enough to be able to push our buttons and teach us. There's seven different kinds of people in the world, seven different ways we learn, and that everyone can learn from the same source. So they have multiple people doing the same things, and you always kind of gravitate towards the personality you relate to. So I hope I answered that question. It's a great question, and it's, it's one of my biggest questions because my little people pleaser self that lives inside of me that decides to come out pretty regularly, and then I have to say, oh, wait a minute, I outgrew that to that level. Um, it, it's funny because now it's like, you know, thank God I could see it. Okay, I have another question. Nadia, question for Friday. As you know, I'm selling my house, and it's preoccupying my time. And quite frankly, I don't like the process. If I could move out and let the brokers handle it, I would. I'm in the pre-production stages for my next film. And besides this, my son talking to his friends and my dog, that is what truly brings me joy. I'm doing my best to enjoy the process of cleaning for the open houses and dealing with the brokers, but it's a process and makes my insides want to explode. That's the best way I could describe it. At first, I hired the wrong broker, rental guy, and now I have a new one. We just finished the third open house. I'm changing my state of mind, but it's a slow process, and I don't like it eating at me. Any thoughts of help and how I could change that feeling? Much love your way, Eliana. Eliana, I got news for you. And don't laugh at me when I tell you this, but when I was writing Gorgeous of Truth, that was the busiest time of my life. That was the most least likely time I could have ever written a book. I was married. I had six children, four of which were Sterling's, two of which were mine, six kids. Three of the six kids were fighting me. Sterling was sick with complications of leukemia and hip degeneration and in the hospital or in bed, couldn't move. And I had just left my job and I was in charge of everyone. And I wrote Origins of Truth in that time. Had it not been that time, I could not have actually written the book. Because everybody's true selves had to come out because there was nothing left for us to hide in a situation that tense and that crazy. So when you say, the minute you said, I'm in the pre-production stages, whatever's going on in your life is putting your work in perspective, putting your joy in perspective. 
And the process of cleaning is organizing your mind, whether you feel it or not yet. And it's all part of what will make everything else you're doing greater in your life. And I know that's not the answer you expected. But after, when I had time, I didn't write so much. And I thought, wow, God, that was a trick, double trick. Why was I waking up in the middle of the night every single night? Not like I had a night off. It wasn't like, wow, today's Saturday or today's Sunday. And I was staying at a hospital, coming home, making lunches for six kids between the ages of 10 and 16. Could you imagine? And we moved. We had to move to a bigger house in that time. We had a lot on our plate. And in that time, when I had not even a minute to myself, I wrote Origins of Truth. I would be so tired at that time, and I still joke about it, but I did it. I would stop at green lights. Like I had no, you know how you have that instinct, you see a red light and you stop. I was just so tired, I didn't even have instinct. All I saw was a light and I stopped. I was that tired. But I was learning at every turn. I was thriving. I knew exactly that I couldn't stop it. I was, it was like saving me. It was giving me a place to rest. But instead of looking at this as I'm having trouble and I'm having this and I'm having that, the bigger question is why is this all happening at once? So when people ask me what does a growth spurt look like, there you have it right there. Exactly just this whole paragraph you wrote. That's your growth spurt right there. Appreciation of your son, friends, the dog, your work, the, what would normally be everything, your work and your, your family and your kids would be more than enough in a normal situation. But this has given you balance to where you're not overthinking your pre-production stages. It's just coming to you. Yeah, now I know what to do. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got this on my mind. I got that on my mind. And there's a reason that this is all happening at once. And in those times is when brilliance happens because all of the the tornado of the moving is balancing out everything else, even though you may not believe it looks like that right now. I, I, I'm glad I didn't read this question prior. This is, this was a good one. Good questions today. Because a lot of us find ourselves in this. And, and until you get into the sell your home matrix, you have no idea what that takes. And very few agents can do everything for you. This is where the experienced agents come in. You have new agents that are eager and will learn to do everything for you through you by you asking and telling. And then there's the real experienced ones that make it seamless. But for the most part, we get people in the middle. 
and they don't know how to guide you properly or to the extent that you may feel you need it. But whatever you got is what you needed. And yes, it is a slow process. And yes, there's a lot going on to get there. But that is giving you balance, even though it looks like it's driving you nuts. Change the way you look at it, and it will change. Wayne Dyer, what do you say when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change? Wayne Dyer. There's always something, like I remember Maya Angelou's quotes. I remember his quotes. Um, they were great influencers in my, in my life, in my views, just by saying things that I could use. With Maya, it's when you know better, do better. And now you know better. And now you can do better. There's so much in that that when I, I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, wait till I get to the end of this. So if you're listening, enjoy that answer because every single day now from today on, you can look at it as your, I want to say, catalyst to bring out the brilliance of you in the other parts of your life and the appreciation and being in the moment in those times because you can really enjoy them differently now because you, you have the time to do them instead of all your time is just to do it. You guys have a great weekend. I will see you on Monday morning. I can't wait. And just be safe this weekend. Take care. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.